Good morning to you this morning. The weak and the strong. The weak and the strong. Would you open your Bibles with me to Romans chapter 14? Uh, is it all right if I stand down here? I'll, I'll come up. This is all right. So if you'd open your Bibles to Romans chapter 14, I'd like to have you look at that passage with me together as we um, open our scriptures. And as we look at this, we'll start at the very first verse of Romans chapter 14. And beginning with the first verse, except, except, take in and accept, the one whose faith is weak, without quarreling over disputable matters. One's faith allows him to eat anything, but another whose faith is weak eats only vegetables. And I went, whoa, what? What? Wait, 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 wait. And I can just see um, that people, just uh, young children, say, yay, no more green beans. Don't have to eat any more green beans because my faith is strong, so I can eat other things besides green beans. And, uh, well, I want to say this morning, hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it. Oh, You've got to be careful about, about that and going. So it says, one whose faith allows them to eat anything, but another whose faith is weak eats only vegetables. And so I want you to understand that there may be more loaded into these texts than what appear on the surface, even though some would say, great, like my granddaughters. I have two granddaughters, are not vegetable fans. And so I see that on their plate, there's three string beans, only three on their plate. And you would think that they were taking down the most disgusting thing they'd ever seen as they wait till they get cold and then they kind of hold their nose as they eat their, their string bean. I got, oh my word. But sorry, sorry for all green beans are back on the menu, so you'll have to keep that. Another response might I say, ah, oh, this is talking about vegans. Yes, all they eat is vegetables and the vegans to go. And I want to say, hold it, hold it before we run away with that. That's maybe... Maybe we ought to look at that. Well, this last uh, quarter, we in this class on Wednesday night, we've been looking on the concept of how revelation and, and how inspiration works. And this last class, few class periods, we've dealt on a particular important process in that. And those of you who have been there know it is the importance of context. What is the context of that passage? And so you have to look a little deeper. Or you can run ahead and say, oh, great, I don't have to eat my vegetables anymore. There's just, I can eat anything I want because the Bible says I can eat anything I want. Well, is that really what the passage is about? Interpreter's Bible says faith bears many meanings in the New Testament. For practical purposes, we may assume that when Paul speaks of the, men, the man who is weak in the faith, he is pointing to someone who has not grasped what Christianity means. Did you get that? He's pointing to the fact that someone who has not grasped what Christianity means, he does not understand the true nature of salvation and is consequently unable or unwilling to accept it in its fullness as the gift of God. So natural instinct prompts him.
to supplement what God offers with what he himself can do. And particularly to make certain by the scrupulous uh, fulfillment of specific regulations that he will find grace and favor with God. So what we're learning from there is failure to understand the gift of salvation. He hasn't grasped that, hasn't got that, and therefore he tries to supplement, supplement what he thinks God offers to him, and therefore in doing so, he hopes, he hopes that he will find more grace and more favor before God. It is a way of work. And I thought, and I noticed in the way that it was phrased, natural instinct. The natural instinct. And as I was thinking about that, it is our natural instinct. It is within human nature that we look to somehow supply do something more to, to kind of try to please God in some way. It is, it is our natural instinct. I was talking with a Lutheran pastor down the street from me in Silverton, Oregon. We had become friends through the Ministerial Association, and he was only about a half a block down the street from me. So we were, had a good relationship with each other. He was an evangelical Lutheran church, and so I was down there one time, and a package had had gotten to his church, and he said, hey, they dropped off a package at the wrong church. So I went down, was there, and got into his office and was sitting there chatting, and, and um, I found out in my discussion that even among Lutherans, they were having difficulty with people understanding the true power of salvation because it was against the natural instinct. See, this passage really isn't about diet at all even though it mentions eating everything and eating vegetables. It's not really about diet. It's really about the gift of salvation. And that theme, that theme about the gift of salvation, fills all of the book of Romans. A gift of salvation is really the theme that goes from, from beginning to end. That's what Paul's purpose was in writing. What is that gift of salvation and what is the impact about it? So he goes on. So... The one who eats everything must not treat thee with contempt, the one who does not. And the one who does not eat everything must not judge the one who does. For God has done what? Accepted them. God has accepted them whether they're eating vegetables only or if they're eating anything they like. God has accepted them. And as I was thinking about that, I said, well, it was a problem in Paul's day, but it's certainly a problem in our day, too. Yeah, so as I grew up, well, one time I was asked to uh, fill in for, uh, for a few weeks at a church in San Diego. I happened to have a break, and so I was near, and I said, oh, sure, I'll go down. So I went down to the church there, and they asked me to go for three or four weeks, for a month, to go down and speak. And I said, I'll be happy to. And I said, I'd like to meet with the church board uh, after church, after our to uh, just get acquainted a little bit. So on Friday afternoon, the, the conference office lady calls me, and she said to me, um, who had asked me to go, she said, oh, I forgot to tell you, they have fellowship dinner. Fellowship dinner. And I said, all right, that was about 3.30 in the afternoon. I, went, I had to go pick up Michelle at the airport. She was flying in, as she flies all around the world. And so 
I went to go pick up and I said, what can I do? And I said, well, I'm going right by the cheesecake factory. I'll pick up a cheesecake. So I took the cheesecake the next day. It was a beautiful thing. Nice thing. I took a cheesecake. So my wife and I went down to this church. She'll remain nameless, but we, we went down to this church and, and uh, I, we had through the services and I preached and it was a very nice thing. And then we went to eat and they had potluck. And I understand then they had potluck every week. So I uh, were eating and I noticed my cheesecake was missing. No cheesecake. And so after we got through, I said, hey, I, I don't see my cheesecake out here. We don't eat sugar here. <laughs> oh. Oh, really? Okay. Yes, no desserts. We serve no desserts. Oh. So I went to the board, and the board kind of gathered around. We were all meeting then after dinner, and, and uh, they all came into the boardroom, and, and I said, I know you're all seeker-friendly. You're all trying to make your church to appeal to someone. And I said, you know, today, I just found out late Friday afternoon that you were having fellowship dinner, so I went by the cheesecake factory. I bought a cheesecake. I brought it over. And it was not served because we don't serve desserts here. You brought cheesecake? Yes. This lady jumps up, says, I'll be right back. She went, got the cheesecake, came back with plates, a knife, and forks. And we all split that cheesecake at the board. We ate that whole thing. It was, it was wonderful. And I said to them, you know... If I had not been the pastor, not, not understanding about this and had some background with this, I never would have showed up again because you didn't accept my cheesecake. So every week after that, I brought dessert. <laughs> what an ornery guy. <laughs> so the problem still could be today. And who, you, who are you to judge someone else's servant, Paul goes on. To their own master, servants stand or fall. And they will stand for the Lord is able to make them stand. No matter whether they like the cheesecake and eat a cheesecake or not. Whether they're into them or not. Whether they're vegans or not. Whether they think there's some kind of spiritual thing doing that. The Lord accepts them and stands by them and helps them to stand. And if the Lord accepts them, then where are we? Shouldn't we do that? Accepts them where are they are. Shouldn't we accept them as well? Accept one another. The weaker brethren, dear. I've been in this a long time. Been an Adventist all my life. My parents were Adventists. Their parents were Adventists. Their parents became Adventists. My great-grandfather became an Adventist. And so I've been in the church a long time, fourth generation. In fact, I'm fourth generation on both sides of my family. It's amazing. Not on my birth side, but on the adoptive side. And it's, it's been a wonderful experience. So I have Adventism in my blood, as it were. Know what it's about. So if the Lord accepts them, where they are at that moment, where they are, then shouldn't I? Shouldn't I accept them? One person, Paul says, one person considers one day more sacred than another. Another considers every day alike. 
Each of them should be fully convinced in their own mind. And of course, I can hear my brethren around and say, so your Sabbath isn't that important. That's what the Bible is saying right there. And I want to say, well, hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it. We got to look at the context to see where it was written. Are that what it's talking about? Is it talking about the Sabbath? So if the first two verses, two and three, aren't really about diet, then perhaps verse five might not be about keeping the Sabbath. In actual fact, the discussion that was taking place, the things that was happening in that verse, talking about, was that many, many people had many holy days. And some of them that had brought them in who were converts had brought them in from their paganism. Some of them had brought them in from Judaism. Some of them had made their own. So there were lots of days that they all said, oh, this is a certain day. to And so it would go on and on and on. And so I was saying, we, we don't need to criticize those who say, well, this, this Tuesday is a very special day to me because of blah, 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 blah. So this is, and whatever. don't do that. You don't need to do that. Our Bible commentary makes a comment. Among Christ's followers, there is no force, no compulsion, a spirit of love and sympathetic tolerance is to prevail at all times. Those who are strong in the faith are to bear the infirmities of the weak, as Christ has borne the weaknesses of us all. There is no room for the self-righteous criticism of those whose views and practices may differ from our own. may differ from our own. So as I had my cheesecake there, <laughs> I felt the woman who was saying, we don't serve any desserts here, we don't sugar. I felt a little bit of a, you know, holier than thou. You know, and you're the pastor. I, I must admit, it kind of goes, yeah, right. <laughs> you don't know who you're talking to. <laughs> I've been in this church longer than you're older, <laughs> older than you are. You know? and, and I go, no, not that I can't learn from anyone, but I go, you know. And so the criticism that I felt, whether it was there or not, the criticism that I felt. Paul saying, talking about, don't do it. No need to do that. And then he takes and makes a shift in his argument. I want you to follow this closely because it, it, really, it really catches you. And if you read it too fast, you miss it. You'll miss the shift. Paul is very clever in what he wrote. Very insightful in what he gave us. Verse 6. Whoever regards each day as special does so to the Lord. Whoever eats meat does so to the Lord. For they give thanks to God. Whoever abstains does so to the Lord and gives thanks to God. None of us, he says, 
None of us lives lives alone. None of us lives are alone. It should be lives. And not, um, excuse me, and not of us, and none of us, I should say. I'll have to correct that. And none of us dies to ourself alone. That's what happens when you have a speller. If, if we live, we live for the Lord. And if we die, we die for the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. For this reason, Christ died and returned to life so that he might be the Lord of both the dead and of the living. You then, why do you judge your brother or sister? Or why do you treat them with contempt? For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. As surely as I live, he quotes from Isaiah, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me. Every tongue will acknowledge me. So then, each of us will give an account of ourselves to God, not to our fellow member. Therefore, here it goes. Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind to put any stumbling block or obstacle in the way of your brother. Remove it. Make up your mind not to put. Make up your mind not to put. A stumbling block. An obstacle. We don't serve dessert here. In front of your brother. Or sister. Who brought you a gift. Here it is. If there is any judgment. Or judging at all. Let it not be criticism of others, but the determination not to cause a brother to fall. I, I want to make sure you caught that. I want to make sure you got that. Get that. Paul switches the emphasis in judgment. He didn't say not judging. He, said he switch, switches the emphasis of it. And instead of judging someone else's behavior... He calls for us to judge whether we're causing someone else to fall. Do you see the shift? Instead of finding the, the moat or the, the, uh, the speck in somebody else's eye, he said, are you the one that is causing somebody else to stumble? So the judgment then that you want to give, you need to look in your own life. See, am I doing something that's causing someone else to lose their way and to cause their footing to stumble? And that is a sobering thought, that we should be looking not at others, but I want to look at myself. Jesus said, do not judge, or you will be judged. Do not judge, or you will be judged. But it's our natural instinct to do that. It's our natural thing to look at each other. So I, I went to Pacific Union College, an Adventist college on the West Coast, and some of you may have been aware of that school. I was amused when I would go to the, to the uh, cafeteria, and of course everyone would like to say grace before they give their blessing before they eat. Well, I happened to have a stopwatch on my phone. And so while I was standing in line, I would watch to see how long 
people would pray their gratitude to God for their food. So, oh, there, he bows his head, click, click, he's already done. Oh, that, was, that was done. What did he say, ditto? You know, is that, is that just it? Yes. Hey, thanks. Or did I just do through a ritual about it? So I was judging some natural instinct, judging somebody else's spiritual life by how, they, how long they were in prayer there. So now it comes, I got my plate. So now what am I going to do? Well, I've got to be sure my head down a little longer, you know, so I could look more pious, because after all, I'm taking theology. So I've got to do that. How silly. How silly. So then, how shall we live? How shall we live our lives? We need to practice love, acceptance, and forgiveness. I've had people come and say, oh, pastor, I'm so sorry. I said something and I, I didn't mean to. I, said, oh, I didn't, didn't catch her. I said, oh, you're already forgiven. I, said, I don't, you know, you know, I'm not going to ruin our friendship over that. Not going to do that. My boys, children were small. There was a young lady. She was engaged. She sat a couple rows behind us and around, and she was observing in a small church. It wasn't hard. She was observing us and said, well, you know, look at the pastor's kids. They're just, you know, why can't they take care of them better? And Blah, 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 on and on. I'm up preaching. My wife is home trying to manage the children. If you're a mother, you know how that is. So what happened was that um, she criticized us. Well, eventually she got married. She had children on her own. And about a few years later, a letter came. She said, uh, something's been on my heart. And that is that I used to chat all around about how terrible your children were in church. She said, I'd give anything if my children could be as well-behaved as your kids were in church. <laughs> I know. Once you have kids, you're really accepting, aren't you? You kind of, oh, yeah, I'm running around doing that. Yep, yep, they're just, just, just fine. You know, you, you got, you've got it, you know. Yeah, yeah, no problem. But before you have, you're critical of them. Same can be of us in the faith. And we have, sitting in this room, people of different journeys, of different experiences, of different lengths, we're all mixed up. And the call, the call is from don't put a stumbling block in front of someone else. The Bible says from Jesus said, and love thy neighbor as thyself. To love thy neighbor as thyself. And so we want to be of encouragement and love and acceptance. Just like the young lady who came into my church. She was a young lady. She came in and she said, 
came up to me. She was a teenager, and she came up to me, and she said, Pastor, how do you like my new tattoo? Oh. She was waiting to see if I was going to practice love acceptance. See, she was, she was, that's really what she was trying. How do you like my new tattoo? And others were standing around waiting, what's the pastor's reaction? So I went, oh, wow. How long have you had that? And she said, yeah, well, why did you choose this one? Yeah, okay, yeah. Never said whether I liked it or not, or whether making a judgment of mine. I just said, wow, wow. She knew she was accepted. Later, she shared with me that she was doing things in her life that were outside Christ. But she still found acceptance that she would come. And then she got married, and she, her life turned around, and she let me know that because she knew I was not there to critique her. Not my role. Because we all want to follow Christ's example. See? He welcomed everyone no matter In fact, he welcomes you. That's the beauty of it. So we have to fight our natural instinct when we say, I'm going to be critical of someone else, or they shouldn't be doing that, or, or they shouldn't wear that, or they shouldn't be eating that, or whatever. I'll never forget when I first got in the ministry that a senior pastor told me, never let the congregation see you eat dessert. Now today we laugh about that. But at the time, say it was the cheesecake lady that I had to worry about. I was in a church where you could only wear a white shirt in the pulpit. Everybody else could wear a colored shirt, didn't matter, didn't know, but the pastor had to wear a white shirt. So I wore white shirts in that church. Why? Because I didn't want someone to someone to, to stop listening to what I had to say because they couldn't get beyond the pastel yellow. You know? I had no problem with wearing a collar shirt. But I wanted to be careful about not causing someone else to miss. So I am careful about that, whether I think wearing a yellow shirt or a white shirt makes any difference whatsoever. Notice I'm wearing white today, so I can say that. So to make that, but do you see what I mean? Following Christ's example. It is my prayer that as we have new people coming, and they come every week, new people coming, different experiences, different ways, they look different, they lack different, they eat different, they do all kinds of things different. But I, as a follower of Christ, can accept them as Christ because he sent them here. He sent them here. Dear Lord, I ask you to be with us as we be careful, not judging that the judgment that we have may be, what am I doing that I could be more welcoming and accepting and forgiving? That everyone who comes will know, there I am welcome. There I am accepted. They accept me just as I am, just as you would, Lord. It's hard for us because it fights against our natural instincts, but Lord, you can help us. By your grace, help us to catch us in our words and our thoughts and our actions. 
We need to surrender that to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.